two key phrases of the management by objective systems are the objectives and the key results. That's Andy Grove, the legendary manager who came up with the OKR system. And they match the two purposes. The objective is the direction. The key result has to be measured, but at the end you can look and without any arguments say, did I do that or did I not do it? Yes, no. Simple. That quote is taken from a 1970s video, long before objectives and key results became the dominant goal-setting methodology for Silicon Valley startups. And even longer before the rest of the world caught on too. And he makes it sound... simple. 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 But it's not. Setting goals is hard. And particularly setting OKRs, because the system is really opinionated. The real task is finding the objectives that move the needle. And what if the answer to did I do this, yes or no, isn't about what you did, but about what you learned in the process. On today's episode, we hear the story of how Soapbox made it easier for its customers to set meaningful goals, and about how one marketer grew personally and professionally through that experience. You're listening to Inflection Point, the show that tells the stories of how B2B SaaS marketers change the growth rate of their companies and the lessons that we can all learn from them. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth at Powered by Search, and I'm pumped that you're here. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, on with the show. I thought I had set goals for myself professionally for my entire career until I came to Soapbox and realized that I really hadn't. I think when I approached one-on-one, I treated them as a time to just share and vomit like everything I've done. So just a status update when that stuff can easily be tackled in things like Asana or like in a, a Slack note. Now I can actually go in and say, hey, I want to become a better manager. That's Hiba Amin. Hiba's a senior marketing manager at Soapbox, which is a product that helps facilitate feedback and better meetings between managers and their teams. And when she joined Soapbox a few years back, she had the same problem as most of us still have. Setting goals? It's tough. Soapbox helps facilitate feedback between managers and their teams, between teams within a company. We help you set goals. Making all of that information that's so important to not only engage employees and be able to help managers also understand how to engage each and every employee all in one place. I think that's really awesome. It's definitely helped me take advantage of the one-on-ones that I have with my direct manager. It's helped me go into meetings, not wanting to rip my eyeballs out because there's an agenda, there's a purpose. And if there isn't, you really are able to see that right before you step into that meeting. Hib is acutely aware of the challenges that managers face when they're trying to set goals, run meetings and do feedback with their employees. Because actually, she's just about to become a manager herself. How's she feeling about that? Here she is. I'm definitely nervous, but at the same time, I feel like I'm a little bit more prepared than the average first-time manager. I've learned at Soapbox that a lot of people get into management positions because they're really good at content. They're really good at email marketing, whatever it is. They're really good at coding. But that is an entirely different skill set to managing people. I think that a lot of people go in blindsided. It's like a promotion that's basically, it's a job change. It's an entire career and role change that's disguised as a promotion. And obviously being at Soapbox for two years, all of my world has been writing about one-on-one best practices, how to be a good manager, how to not be a bad person in general. And so to have all of that kind of knowledge built in. Now it's just an opportunity for me to actually practice that. 
Did you hear that? Heba says that she's a marketing team of one now, but that wasn't always the case. In fact, when she joined the company, they had just made the transition from being a sales-led organization to a product-led company. And that's a huge change. The product changed, the business model changed. And when she joined, the marketing team was bigger. We were a marketing team of three. There was myself, a director of marketing and a, a WordPress developer. The big focus was definitely on how do we increase signups? And I remember at the time, I think we were sitting at about an average of 70 companies a week signing up for Soapbox and giving it a shot. And we're at the point where we were looking at pro customers and when one would come, it was just a massive win because we're like, oh, this is our seventh customer, cool. And really early days for a product. Everything was going well. There was a team dynamic and everyone was getting that amazing feeling of having even a small number of new signups to your relatively new product. Those are heady days for any startup. Everyone gets celebrated. The trajectory was strong. So much so that the team was gearing up to raise a round of investment. And at Soapbox, life must have seemed pretty great. But then, the world just... stopped. On this Monday night, situation critical at an Ontario nursing home. Nine people die as the virus sweeps through a care home. Our worst nightmare and possibly beyond that came true. Plus, an entire community in Quebec now under quarantine. Payroll plan, new details on the massive wage subsidy for businesses and charities. The investors just wanted to put all of their investments on pause. As a result of COVID, they were really uh, nervous. And we ended up having to lay off half of the team within the first couple of weeks of going into quarantine in, in Canada. And so that was really hard. Heba, you went from being part of a marketing team of three to losing everyone. Uh, it was just you left, right? And suddenly you're in charge of all the marketing in the company. I mean, what is, what is that like? I, I can't even imagine that change. Like, how did you, how did you deal with that? It was really hard for me personally, because I had so much love and respect and we were a really great functioning team. And I thought my manager was just incredible and she built so much confidence and knowledge in me. It was just a lot of pressure to, to feel like, okay, gotta bring the company back um, into a good state. Didn't deal well with it for at least two to three weeks. I'm an extrovert by nature. And so for someone to not only say, hey, you can't see your family and friends and you're stuck with your introverted partner who just loves to do him and not and you have his own space. <laughs> it was definitely really tough. But I I guess like the, the things that I did, I was pretty vocal on LinkedIn around wanting to connect with either marketing teams of one or leaders because that's how I learn. I learn by talking things out, by learning from how others approach similar situations. And within the first two to three weeks of being in that new position, I had about 50 calls. And I think part of that was just having someone help me, having people help me tackle all of the imposter syndrome that I was feeling. Like I definitely didn't feel ready or capable enough to be able to do this on my own. We've all been there. As a marketer, you often find yourself in a position where you're panicking. I can't do this. I don't know where to get the data. How will I meet my targets? They're relying on me to find the leads. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But Hibba? She did what smart people do in those situations. She looked at the big task and then she broke it down into chunks. How do I prioritize? What are the things I should be focusing on? Like, how do I take all of the possible things that I could be doing and should be doing and just boil it down? And so I think the bigger focus was just don't 
for like at the start, don't focus on just like doing, take one week, look at your numbers, dive through, see are there particular pages that are converting more? Are there, what are the things that are ultimately helping you and your business grow? And so I spent a couple of days doing that and that at least gave me focus for a week. And then I started doing that every week. I didn't have these elaborate quarterly big plans or like monthly plans even. It was really every sprint, what were the things that we were gonna do? Focusing on, at least for the first three months, getting as many wins as possible. At that point, if I had, was having a bad morning, trying to deal with all the stress, but also all of the chaos and anxiety that came from COVID, but also from this new situation at work, I would take the morning and then I would settle with my emotions, I would settle with my thoughts and I would just go to work and I would like just crank out a lot of things that I thought would move the needle. Ultimately, this is the only thing that you can do when you're living in chaos. As marketers, it's our job to take lots of competing ideas and to distill everything into something that makes sense. But coronavirus was no ordinary brand of chaos. It was a, an uber chaos. So how did Hibber go from this the investors wanted to put all of their investments on pause and we ended up having to lay off half of the team to this this past year we've we've doubled our sign up numbers every week we've tripled our mrr and we're in a good spot now we're hiring across all of our teams hopefully you're enjoying inflection point and if you are i'm sorry to interrupt but i just have to tell you about our other podcast SaaS marketing bites now each week we share the best insights that we have on building B2B SaaS businesses. These insights are wildly practical and they go deeper than the stuff that you find anywhere else online. So search SaaS Marketing Bytes on your favorite podcast player and don't forget to subscribe. Okay, back to the show. In early 2020, Soapbox, a tool that helps managers run better meetings with employees, was killing it. They'd recently changed from a sales-led to a product-led business and they were focused on getting signups to their product, which has also just undergone a lot of changes. And they were raising money from investors too. And then coronavirus hit, and Hiba Amin, a content marketing manager in the Soapbox marketing team of three people, she suddenly found herself in charge of a marketing team of one. But what happened next, I don't think Hiba would have predicted. Because since the start of the pandemic, Soapbox has tripled its MRR and doubled its sign-up numbers. How? We don't have a sales team at Soapbox, and that makes it really easy for marketing to attribute every activity. And the way it works is marketing really focuses on acquisition. So how do we get people to sign up for our platform? And not only that, how do we get the right people to sign up? And we measure that by looking at a bunch of different metrics. So obviously signing up for the product is one metric. The next one is, did they log back in after a day? Did they log back in after two days? And did they come back in a week and then in two weeks? And so we look at those numbers every single week. If we looked at these numbers monthly, we have 12 chances to correct the ship. If we look at them Every week, we have 52 chances. If we pushed something that was bad, we know that immediately the following week. We don't wait a month to say, crap, we just you know, lost 8% of conversions because of one change we made. And we did that. We affected a whole month of activity versus just a week. Did you hear that? What Hibba just said is the story of almost every successful startup I know. They started by breaking down the funnel and choosing where to focus first. Now for Soapbox, that was acquisition, which is getting more people to sign up and try the product. Next, they chose a series of metrics that they wanted to influence. And then they created short feedback loops where they kept a close eye on the experiments that they ran and how it influenced 
those metrics. But before you do that, you have to come up with a hypothesis of how you're going to grow. We focus on targeting and getting one manager and their team in the platform. We want like the marketing team at Netflix, let's say. We want them to come on Soapbox. We want them to use it together. And then when they find the value, when they see results and they have a lot of those pains eased, maybe they'll invite the sales team and they'll have that cross-functional meeting. And then once the sales team's on, they'll say, oh, this is actually really cool. Let's move like everyone and have our one-on-ones. And so it's a land and expand type strategy. It won't work for everyone. And if your product thrives when more people are in the organization use it, a land and expand strategy is a great way in. But there was also a pivotal moment, an inflection point. For Soapbox, sure, but also for Hibba. The the big benefit of being product-led is that we're planning our roadmap, we're building a product based on all of the customer feedback that we get. And we are obsessive over it. And I think that's also a really cool feature uh, about, or not feature, a really cool trait about Soapbox and the team because all of the marketing comms that I'm doing and all of the language and copywriting, everything is through our customers' mouths. Like I'm on at least one or two customer calls a week on average. And so that also helps me, you know, figure out what content pieces are most important? What questions do we need to answer? And that helps me go beyond just looking at keyword research. It helps me understand the actual questions people are asking. Um, and wondering about and wanting answers for. Back when I started Soapbox, we were just launching our agenda templates library. And since then I've seen that's been a really big driver of not only people actually coming from a Google search into our website and converting right there and then and signing up for Soapbox, but they also have a really high percentage of, of people who sign up through that route to actually convert to pro users. So the intent is really high and it's also just capturing the right people for us. And so beyond just growing that library, I've been itching to replicate that somehow because I was like, this worked. How do we do this again? When the product team announced that we were launching a goals feature, I was like, this is incredible. The team had previously launched a template library for agenda templates. Now, template libraries really work well when your product has some element of creativity around the setup. And remember what we said earlier, setting goals is hard. Now, Hibber took the opportunity of the new goals feature to roll out the template playbook. Here, she talks about how she planned out the idea with Soapbox CEO, Brennan McEachran. We started off really small scale. It was me and, and Brennan, and we were talking about, let's just get it for the managers who we're going to target. And that is, for us, is specifically sales managers, engineering managers, and customer success, because typically those are the largest teams within a tech company. Marketing team, marketing teams of one. Engineering has 12 people at Soapbox. So you can definitely see that the manager who has four or five direct reports is going to have a hard, like a harder time organizing everything than me organizing myself. And we started there. And I started getting envious as we were building it. I was like, this is silly. Our business plan isn't targeting just these people. This isn't a land and expand model. And this isn't a land and expand pricing plan. This is typically people who are going to come from the top and deploy across the organization. So we should have goals for everyone. And also I want goals because I want my own goals to inspiration to set goals for me personally, but also when I expand my team. Hibber noticed that the original idea was misaligned with the customer's actual buying habit. Now, if she hadn't pivoted her idea there, we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast at all. It would have been just another piece of content. 
And that's because marketing has to help customers solve a pain point better. Soapbox know that managers need their tool. But they also know that the way that they acquire valuable users is through the land and expand model. Find a user within an organization who will be vocal about their love of your product, and then let them do the marketing work for you internally. Well, you know how these things start. One guy tells another guy something, and then he tells two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. And then you're organization-wide. And that's all great, but if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it even make a sound? Well, I can't really help you with the answer to that question. But what I do know is this. If you don't bake in distribution to a major marketing effort from the start, it's going to lose 90% of its impact. And Hibba, she thought the same. We started adding marketing. We started adding ops goals and product goals, and we were sourcing and creating goals internally from the people within our team. And then I quickly realized this was also a really great opportunity to have other people contribute because I was getting burnt out trying to think of like goals for all these different positions and roles within a tech company. And so I opened it up. Hiba started to send messages to her contacts outside the company and talk to them about the goal examples library. I would reach out to them and say, hey, we're building this really cool library for goal examples and I have so many roles to fill. For companies like Bamboo, I would pitch it as, this is a great opportunity to capture HR HR, um, audiences and bring them back to your website because that's a relevant audience for them. So do you want to submit goals there? Similar to companies like Bonusly. And then we'd reach out to more marketing focused companies and have them contribute to the marketing roles because that's relevant. And then also just having people contribute to goals that are their role specifically, that really helped us scale from stretching internally to get a goal library of maybe about 70 examples to opening the floodgates and we hit over 180. And not only was that just a great tool for creating content or a great strategy for creating content, but now we have content that's actually relevant and valuable and credible from credible sources beyond just soapbox. It's not just our voice, which I think is really important. But also we had this massive distribution network now because of course all of these people are going to share on their social media or share internally through like internal or uh, through backlink building and all of that because they're like, I participated and I helped build this and I take part ownership. And I think that's something that people should be absolutely proud of because they're driving value for people across other industries and within the same discipline or profession. And there was just a lot of benefits and, and wins for everyone involved versus just soapbox winning. Often, companies are reluctant to collaborate with other people in their industry. After all, there can only be one winner, right? But what Hibber did by involving other organizations and giving them a platform amplified the message, grew Soapbox's reach, and improved the Goal Examples library overall. The goals that they launched with weren't ideas that she had found while Googling for marketing goals or diversity goals. This isn't a 10 best goal examples piece of content. No listicles here. No, this one has got value because the goals came from sector experts. And that's why it's so successful. Hibber created a high quality piece of content with her peers and collaborated with well-respected partners to distribute the Goal Examples library even further. My mantra, compete alongside, not against. And Hibber did just that. It's definitely 
my proudest piece of content that I've built to date. I've looked at it a lot as I was setting out outcomes that I wanted for the roles that I'm hiring for. I went back to the goals library, actually thinking of goals every quarter. I think that was a really mentally draining process. It's so great to hear Hibber talk about the process of creating this work. I honestly feel refreshed and motivated to apply this to my work right now. But this show is called Inflection Point. Now, the inflection point is the moment in a process where everything changes. The curve on the graph goes from linear to exponential. So what was the result of this work? When we launched goals, we, I believe, doubled our MRR within two or three months. We launched our goal examples library in September, which was on purpose because that's when people were thinking about setting goals for the quarter. And that's when they were doing all their quarterly planning. That really helped not only gain a ton of backlinks for the marketing website and just a lot of traffic and a lot of signups, it also gave product a ton of users to actually use this new feature that we're building to be able to get feedback to not only learn what bugs are there and what functionality is working and what's not, but also how to prioritize the next three to six months in terms of how we're building this thing. Building all of those backlinks from a marketing perspective, our domain authority went from, I think, 62 to 71 in a span of three or four months. All of that leading up to it actually being January when people started thinking about annual goals and their quarterly goals. We were there for so many search terms, so many relevant search terms, I should say. And so we hit just all time highs, both for signups through organic and through earn channels. So like referral traffic and social and all of this kind of stuff, all of those um, channels, but also all time highs on organic traffic and all time highs on keywords ranking for from one to hundred, but also one to 10 and one to three, like all of those things just lined up because of all the pre-work we did back in September. And so it was a really fun ride in January and that continued until February. I think that really set us up for success going into this year. I definitely am really happy with all of that. And now I just need to figure out what that next thing is and I have no clue. Inflection in revenue is good, particularly when it comes to subscription revenue because that compounds. And when you hit the inflection point, it feels like you're riding a compounding beast. And if you've contributed to that inflection, you'll know that you feel like you're playing a game of Super Mario, just eating the mushrooms and getting real big real fast. Um, no? I, just, just me? Well, anyway, all this to say that growth in business is good, but you're always looking for the next thing. The goals we hit, the milestones we pass, soon, they're yesterday's news. What lasts is what happens to the people. Honestly, I think I look back on the past year and I just see how far I've come. I've been completely outside of my comfort zone for over a year now and I've pushed through. And I think that to not only be able to feel confident in my abilities a lot more than I maybe was a year ago, but to be able to prove it to myself and see numbers, I think that's been really cool. I, I definitely thought I was a data-driven marketer pre-COVID. And I, I think I've realized in the past year that I really wasn't. And now like all of my decisions look at what what channel helps us acquire customers at the cheapest cost. That's where we should focus our efforts and scale. What what specific types of blogs drive the most signups? Let's focus there. And to be able to do that as a team of one, you're able to just really say, I did that, of course, with a lot of support from the team and from the community. But I think that I don't know. I, I think it's just been really cool to feel 
confident in my abilities as a marketer for the first time in my career. I, I definitely still go through imposter syndrome at least once a week, but I think that now it's once a week instead of every day. Just like Hiba shortened the feedback cycles in analyzing growth data, shortening the cycles in the challenges that we put ourselves through as marketers is important too. Now, if you're stagnating right now, ask yourself these two important questions. How can I help my customers in the next month? And how can I work with people in my network to solve those problems together? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. So if you enjoyed that today and you want to do something about your B2B SaaS marketing, you should get in touch with us. You can do that by going to poweredbysearch.com and checking out our work with us page, or you can browse the case studies and blogs that we have on the site. Now, if you're not ready to do that, definitely say hi anyway. You can ping me on Twitter. I'm at I am Mark Thomas, that's Mark with a C. Or you can ping our founder and CEO, Dev Basu, D-E-V-B-A-S-U. Connect with us there. Looking forward to seeing you again for another episode.